What is going on, guys? I got uh, my buddy Sarge here joining me on this Thursday, just a couple hours after the NBA trade deadline has wrapped up. Um, and I did something pretty stupid yesterday. So not, not stupid. It was still a fun time, but uh, probably didn't think as, as hard as I should have. But I did record a podcast with Tyler, an NBA trade deadline, like speculation podcast almost like last night. Went for like an hour, a little over an hour or so. And then I, you know, I was like, okay, I'll post in the morning. Then I get to the morning and I realize like all these trades are coming out. And, you know, we can't basically from 8 a.m. to 12 Pacific time, a trade was coming out every couple minutes. And then I realized like it doesn't really make too much sense to post a podcast of two people who don't have any idea of any of the trades that have just happened talking about all these trades after they've already happened and it makes so much more sense to just do a podcast giving a you know off the dome first reaction to all these different trades that went down so i got sarge i still got some i'm i i feel dirty doing tyler like that like i'm still gonna try and get some sort of audio in i don't know i we had some off topic stuff so i'll probably combine that with this but uh, this is going to be the bulk of the episode today, and I appreciate you guys all joining me. Sorry I had to talk a lot there, Sarge. How you doing, bro? Good, man. Maybe we can start Tyler's little intro, give him like 15 seconds, and then play me for like 59. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, you you two are really the only ones that do this with me. So, I mean, you guys are both – you'll both get your shine on, on this podcast. Um, how, how, first off, bro – What'd you think of today? I mean, I, I know coming into this, I wasn't expecting huge, huge fireworks. Um, I honestly wasn't expecting a ton of trades that go down that really swing the balance of anything. And there were honestly a couple of trades today that were were surprising and exciting. And, and I think it was a solid, a solid trade deadline. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, anything really, bro. What comes to your mind yeah, I mean, in, in regards to for, that? For the most part, you, you kind of knew outside of Oladipo and if Lowry got traded, it was kind of going to be small little trades where it's like a second-round pick and a couple not necessarily meaningless guys, but like not really huge pieces to, to teams mm-hmm. that were going to get moved. And then, um, I don't know, just for me, I, I woke up and I was expecting my phone to just be, you know, notifications all over the place. But it kind of got What time? What time? Um, like 9 o'clock. I yeah, think, that, me too. And I was like, all right, like there's going to be a ton of trades. And I look at my phone, and there's essentially nothing. And then the norm news came out. Um, but usually what you see like on a, on a Wednesday night is a lot of these executives are staying up a, like all night, basically. And when you wake up, there's trades that happen at like mm-hmm. three in the morning or, or it's because we're on the West Coast. It happened at six in the morning on the East Coast. But we woke up and then it was just kind of like a waiting game. Yeah. So for me, bro, I think that's a perfect segue. When I woke up, I might have woken up just slightly after you then. I woke up to the Vooch deal and that for me was a great kickoff because I didn't expect Vooch to be dealt. Obviously he had a monster year. Obviously the magic are rebuilding a little bit, but it seemed like I just assumed, okay, that's kind of their guy moving forward. And I think we can start uh, about, uh, we can start this off with that deal because I think that's probably the most interesting deal for me. Um, But essentially for those of you guys that don't know, the Orlando Magic sent Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Amino to Chicago for Otto Porter, Wendell Carter, and two first-round picks. Um, and there's so many different things, angles, and, and ways you can look at this. I think for me, the biggest takeaway 
one, I'm I'm really excited to see Vooch somewhere else. I, I think it's it's hard for me to really evaluate players sometimes that have been in one spot, especially a, a one spot that's bad, really their whole career. And I, I I know he hasn't played for Orlando his whole career, but I'm really excited to see because you get Vooch, who has been an all-star before, but in the past his he's always been for me a guy that where the numbers look really good but the impact on winning isn't isn't necessarily bad per se but i don't think it's necessarily as high as someone who's putting up those numbers you would think and so i'm really excited he he's even better this year i feel like um and again a lot of it has to do with the surrounding talent but i'm excited to see him directly onto a team where now okay the bulls have shown flashes this year zach levine's gotten better they've dealt with a lot of shit but like they're honestly kind of good and deep and talented yet they're under 500 how, how does a guy like vooch come in and, and really elevate this bulls team um and i know you're a vooch guy so what was your thoughts on the deals Do you think it was too much too little just right and and what do you what are your expectations for his role and how good the bulls are going to be moving forward i know that's you, like six you, questions but do you know how, what what kind of um contract which is under like how many years he has left on it yeah he he took so i'm in that 30 team league so i actually impute on that things like this he signed an extension like two years ago so he's getting a lot of money like i'd say like high 20 millions and i'm pulling up the exact number right now and it definitely has at least two three two years, years left at least yeah. two so i think Honestly, if you look at it um, from both sides, I think it's a, a really three good years deal for the Mavs. Twenty six yeah. this year, twenty four next year, twenty two the year after. I mean, he deserves that money. I was just making. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to make sure he had time, significant time left on that deal. Yeah, where they weren't trading for you know uh, the, the rest of this year and maybe one more year of Vooch. Um, so having three years is, I think, huge. Huge. Um, when you look at this deal, but I also think it's a good deal for Orlando because. They wanted to get rid of Gordon, or they had to get rid of Gordon anyways. Fournier was probably going to get moved. Um, Which he and, did. And if you're sitting on Booch, you're sitting on him for an eight seed, right? Like, we've seen Booch can will them to an eight seed in the East. The East is a little bit better now, so I don't think um, an eight seed is where they'd be. They'd probably be closer to, like, a 10-11 seed. But 100%. Booch is a guy where you know he has some sort of impact on winning, but... You just, like you said, you don't know how much because he's been in that situation. And he's willed really not good Magic teams to the playoffs a couple times. And mm-hmm. um, the one question mark I have with Chicago is defense. Um, Wendell Carter was probably, I'm not going to say he's their best defender, but he was a good rim protector and, and an okay defender. And now you have Vooch, who um, really is a, is a downgrade on defense, but a huge upgrade on, on offense massive upgrade and and i think that's part of it for me too is like i loved wendell carter jr coming out of college and and like you said yes defensively you can do a lot worse than wendell carter but offensive like he wasn't billed as just this defensive guy when he came out of duke it was like oh shit this guy can actually stretch the floor a little bit oh this guy has some maybe like not lamarcus aldridge like peak but like he has that sort of offensive repertoire in the mid post where he can actually score. And I just haven't seen that consistently. And then on top of that, Zach Levine's getting trapped all the time and it's putting Wendell Carter in this almost baby Draymond four on three role. 
and he hasn't shown a great ability to make those quick reads too. So I, 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 I'm saying that not from a side of, Oh, I hate it for the magic. I'm saying it more from the side of, Oh, um, on the bull side, like I, I can live with giving up Wendell Carter even for a guy who maybe is not going to be just the best or second best player on a championship team. But I agree with you on the magic side, you get a guy who is still very young, still has tools. And then who else did they get? Auto port. Yeah. Auto Porter's probably gone after this, but two first. Yeah. If something happens, if, if someone gets injured, Levine gets injured. It's not going to – I don't want to jinx it or anything, but if one of those guys gets injured, Dude, they fall into like tank. a 10 seed or a yeah. 11 seed. And it's this Orlando's, year's pick. Orlando's sitting on probably two top 10 picks yeah. um, in, in a really good draft class. So, you know, we might look back on this here in a couple months and say that was a hell of a deal um, for the Magic. Yeah. Or, you know, the Bulls pull off a, a five seed or, or something crazy. Yeah. You look at it like – but here's the thing. I think either way, the Magic got a good deal. It's kind of the question mark on on um, just because of those two first-round picks, um, whether Wendell pan, pans out or, or not. Obviously, if he pans out, it's going to look a lot better. But those two first-round picks. Um, and I those are the years. those are the Bulls in 2021 and 2023, which I agree. Uh, those are There's no stipulations. It doesn't sound like they're protected even. So that, that – I 100% am with you. I think this is one of those deals that actually has a chance, a very decent chance to benefit both, where both of these guys, teams, franchises come away from this like, yeah, I'm down. Kind of like the Pelicans-Lakers AD deal, which obviously yeah. was bigger. But and I think a big part of this, too, is I think – so uh, Lori Markkinen is still a huge part of the Bulls, in my opinion. If they didn't trade him, there was a lot of, of rumors going around that maybe he was going to get moved. But I think Nikola Vucevic is a pretty nice sidekick to him as well as far as a big man because he can pass the ball um, really well, unlike Wendell Carter Jr. So I think Wendell Carter was a pretty much, not necessarily a negative to Lori, but um, Vucevic is a huge plus um, for Lori playing alongside of him, not only just from learning from him because they play very similarly, um, but just from a passing standpoint, like Vucevic is such a great passer. He's going to be able to find Vucevic out of the post and yeah. in certain situations. I think offensively that's amazing, but where the issues do come in is just defensively. I oh, yeah. think I think if I'm Chicago, I, I mean, I've always been a huge Laurie guy. Like, I am not opposed to trying that out. I saw a report that sounds like they were trying – they weren't sold on that fit long term, but, he, I mean, he's still a bull, so – Obviously, they didn't find a deal they liked, and he's a free agent next year that they're probably going to have to pay. So, um, regardless. And, and that auto Porter trade as well being included in that deal just shows you how confident they are in uh, Pat Williams. They're really high on Yeah, the and they should be. Every, yeah, they should he, be. He's good. Like, he's, yeah. He, I'm not going to say he's a baby Kawhi because he's not, but he's like a yeah. baby, baby, baby Kawhi. He, he's like a – yeah, he's a baby. I love that. He, he's no – you know who is a baby Kawhi, though? Off, a little off topic? DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, he is. I love him, man. Yeah. Uh, dude, and I thought he was going to be out for years with the knee. He flies back in way less time than I thought. So, anyways, let's let's stay in Orlando because we're already here, and let's move to the Aaron Gordon deal. Um, if for those of you that don't know Aaron, and this, this could be uh, another deal that works out both ways. So, Aaron Gordon is headed to Denver for Gary Harris. 
2025 first round pick, which I think is also protected. And then RJ Hampton. And I, I think the, the big get in this deal for the magic here is, is RJ Hampton. Um, he's a guy who we didn't see a ton of because he didn't play college basketball, but um, was a guy who at times last year in the draft was considered maybe a lotto guy. I think ultimately fell to like late twenties where the nuggets grabbed him. Um, but that's a young player, a young, exciting player with a presumably bright future that you can take a gamble on. You get a first round pick and then Gary Harris, who for sure is overpaid. Um, and obviously he didn't, his career didn't quite work out. I think the way, uh, he wanted it to, and the nuggets wanted it to in Denver. I think they were grooming him to be that next kind of sidekick to Jamal. And then obviously Jokic blew up too, but I, again, I don't hate it at all. You get a first and a promising guy in RJ and who knows with Gary. And then obviously Aaron Gordon, not being on your team makes you a lot worse. So, uh, you get a better pick, you get more time for guys who, um, need to develop. What were your thoughts? And I think the mo- most interesting part that, um about all this bro is is aaron gordon because kind of like nikola vucevic we've we've only we've actually only seen him on the magic so aaron gordon's a guy where it's like i don't like i have my ideas about how good he is and what he does what his impact is on winning but i've only seen him in one spot for so long what are your thoughts on aaron gordon because he's still only 25 and and how do you see him fitting on the nuggets and and how do you see I guess the next steps in his career looking like. Well, he is a guy that he's been injured so often that, and I don't know if, if it's necessarily him being like injured or if it's him being just rested because he's so frustrated with the situation he's in, but um, it's just been really hard to like get a read on him and what kind of player he is mm-hmm. um, in terms of upside. But defensively, I think he has huge upside still. And totally. What are the Nuggets? What do the Nuggets need? They need a wing defender because Michael Porter Jr. is one of the worst, if not the worst, wing defender in the NBA. Dude, you and, can't even call him a defender. Like he doesn't defend anything. It, it's so bad, and you've seen it with Gary Harris out, who is the who, or I guess was their best yeah. wing defender. Yeah. They struggled stopping people big time. Um, so it's it, PJ Dozier. PJ Dozier is like the only plus. Wing defender on their rock. Well, now that they have Aaron Gordon, but before yeah, and, that, and he comes off the bench and plays twenty minutes. Yeah, exactly. So having a dude that's that's starting that can play thirty minutes, and then you throw along Tim alongside of PJ Dozier, maybe in crunch time, and sit um, someone else when you don't need the scoring. Um, that's a pretty decent defending lineup to go alongside of, like a Jokic and a Murray, um, who can score the ball at will. Yeah. So I just kind of look at it, not really from an offensive perspective, but from a defensive perspective, it really um, increases their, their upside in terms of a championship team. But um, from an offensive standpoint, I don't really know if I love his offensive game. It's okay, but it doesn't really move the needle for me. Yeah, that's fair, bro. And I I love that you brought that up. Um, in terms of the defense, I don't think people realize like when the Nuggets win and when they play their best basketball, they're good on defense. And when they lose, it's because they're pretty bad on defense and they're, they're having to score 120 points. Um, with Aaron Gordon, I love like you said, I love his upside on defense and I love the versatility. He's a guy who can actually is quick enough and athletic enough to stay with guards, um, but is also strong enough to and, and big enough to stay with some of these big men. So um i love that he it gives them a plus defender which they haven't really had on the wing besides pj 
but I am at the same time, I am very interested to see offensively because Aaron Gordon's one of these guys sneakily that like he's put up some crazy lines on Orlando. And again, a lot of those games have come when Orlando's missing guys, but he has some playmaking to him. He's actually shooting 40% from three this year, which I know you'll like, um, not, uh, you know, he has a little bit in his bag that I don't think people have realized at the same time though. He, there are also some times where he struggles with the efficiency. I'm just interested. I, I know what he brings defensively, defensively, but I'm also interested to see his progression offensively playing with better offensive players than he's played with his whole career. Um, and I, again, another one of those trades that I think could definitely work out um, for both teams. Um, Evan Fournier, bro, were you, were you surprised he only went for two seconds? I, I thought the market would have been higher. I agree, and, and obviously they're just full rebuild mode, and I think they're happy enough to with what they got from Aaron Gordon and um, Nikola Vucevic that it was kind of a just get rid of him. But I I just don't know how many suitors there are for, for a guy like Evan Fournier. You know what I mean? Like He's basically just a, a scorer, and he plays shooting guard – who like who else other than than Boston like could you see him even going to or would have interest in him? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, I think Boston made the most sense, but like, there's place like I I don't know. It's tough with fit, but like I don't think New maybe they don't want to take away minutes from RJ, but New York I think could have used him. I think. Uh, in the West, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think like that's the thing with him. Like he's averaging nineteen on decent efficiency. He actually can score the ball decently well. But he's one of those guys where it's like you're not going. If you have someone at the two that you like long term, you're not going to trade for Fournier and lower that person's minutes. So I get it. I just think in a vacuum, he's worth more than two seconds there just aren't yeah, many teams that are out there that would give that up 100 percent. and if it was a different team trying to trade him i think they probably would have asked for a little bit more and they would have held on to him but like i said with the magic already giving um up and getting so much back i think it was kind of just a um not necessarily a throwaway but let's just get whatever we can for him and call it a day yeah i'm with you all right we'll move on from the magic then um Let's go to uh, another fairly large deal today, which was well, multiple. Let's let's go to Norman Powell. Um, Norman Powell, because I know you got a lot to talk about. So the Raptors traded Norman Powell today um, over to Portland for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. I know both Norman Powell and Gary Trent are two guys that you're very high on. Um, what? Get, just dive in, bro. I know these are two guys you really like. Yeah, I love both of them. And I've been saying it for a while that Norman Powell is one of the most underrated players in the league. And I think a little bit, uh, like people have been seeing it a little bit this year just because he's now starting. But um, like the past couple of years, he's been coming off the bench and um, he's been in Toronto. Uh, When Kawhi got there, it was the Kawhi show and nothing really went to to Norman Powell. But if they like competed um, this year with, with him coming off the bench, um, I think he would have easily been in the six man of the year award. He's an, he's a, a way better defender than people give him credit for as well. Like I'm not going to call him lockdown, but he's, he's a decently good defender. And, Dude, yeah. Uh, he's uh, a better than decently good defender. He's, a, he's, he's a an above defender. average defender in my eyes. And 
he's a, a a much more polished player than Gary Trent Jr., which is why um, I think it, it is a really nice piece for, for Portland. And Gary Trent Jr. is like like almost could be Norman Powell in a couple of years if he exactly. keeps it up. And then you go to Toronto and you put Gary Trent Jr. next to OG and Anobi. Like Gary Trent Jr. is a good defender too and gets after it on the defensive end like that. I think both teams. This is probably the best deal. Um, for both teams, I really, really like this deal for Toronto, and I really like yeah. it um, for 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 Portland as well. I think it it jumps them up into really actually being able to contend in the West when they're healthy. I'm with you, bro, and I I think my favorite part about this is like we talked about, like Norman Powell. He comes in. I guess Gary Trent got drafted earlier, but Norman Powell comes in, and then you immediately saw like. Okay, when the Raptors w- would have guys out, he would cut. He would suit up. He'd play like 15, 20 minutes, and he was productive. And then they project. Pro- what's the word I'm looking for? Slowly, progressively, he progressively would. Play- I'm just trying to figure it out. He would progressively play more and more minutes, and then they trusted him more. And then suddenly, now this year, the guy's fifty percent from the field, forty three percent from three. Like that's ridiculous. And and I think you saw that now with Gary Trent, right? He he had to play now because certain guys were out, and then his minutes went sorry started to go up and up. And you know, Norm didn't shoot the ball too well there for a little bit starting. Um, and and then you could, but you can always tell. Kind of like with D book, you can tell when a guy almost like looks like he'll eventually be a good three point shooter, and that's what happened with Norman. I think that's, I mean, Gary's already a decent three point shooter, but just overall improving his efficiency. I wonder though, is so, is Norm going to start or is Covington going to start? That's what I was just about to ask you. I, I think they honestly just keep. I mean, it's Derek Jones Jr. who's in question. It's not Covington. Covington will start at the four. Uh, okay. Derek Jones. It's going to either be Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench or Norman Powell. To me, it makes more sense to just keep Derek Jones Jr. in the starting lineup because you too. have CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. If you have Norman Powell coming off the bench, what what the what the uh, Blazers usually do with their rotation anyway when CJ is is healthy is they'll stagger CJ and, and Dame's minutes off of each other. So one of them is always on the court. Then you add Norman Powell in for a, a good chunk of that time alongside of one of them and then closing alongside two of them. I mean, that's really, really scary coming off the bench for the Blazers. Yeah, and again, people get caught up all the time in starting. What I, like it's Ultimately, all that matters is the five that close the game consistently. And I think it makes the most sense. You you literally like you you said it, but you literally have Dame and CJ already in the starting lineup. Like it's kind of overkill putting a putting Norman Powell there. Like it, it just it makes more sense to get get him a higher usage, bringing him off the bench. The only weird thing is he's produced so much better in Toronto. This was obviously in Toronto, a different situation, but he produced at a much much better rate off the bench or starting than off the bench. So. I wonder if that'll play a factor. I would presume that he comes off the bench as well, um, but we've seen crazier things happen. Let's go to uh, what do we want to go to? Let's go to Victor Oladipo. And we, I know we texted about this back and forth a little bit, but and I even talked about it on my unreleased pod from yesterday. But the Victor Oladipo story is pretty sad because. You look at you know where we are now with technology and 
you know, modern medicine. And we've seen Paul George have a gnarly, gnarly injury come back to all NBA level. We've seen Gordon Hayward, gnarly, gnarly injury come back. I know KD's, you know, been in and out, but when he's played, he's been looking like KD. John Wall, it just, Victor Oladipo seems to be like the only guy recently where the injury happened and it was worst case. Like he hasn't, it's been a year now and he hasn't, gotten anywhere near where he was and and where he was i don't think people realize because it was so quick and brief but lebron james and his cleveland cavaliers i know it was just lebron at that time there was no you know it was lebron and kevin love but it's still lebron james and lebron james swept through the raptors like it was nothing but the orlando or the indiana pacers in that first round Victor Oladipo went toe-to-toe as the best player, and that went to seven. And they were honestly a lot of a lot of different ways where the Pacers could have actually won that series. And he was so damn good. And now he's shooting 40% from the field on a lot of shots. And you just can't pay a man 20 plus million dollars to be the guy or even the second guy with him being as inefficient as he's been. That being said. Go ahead, go ahead. And, and, and another thing with him, too, is pre-injury. So I think the last full season he played, I would have to go back and check, is 17-18. Yeah. 18-19, I think he sat out the whole year. Maybe played a couple games before he got injured. And then I, I, he didn't play much 19-20 either. So he's really not played a ton of basketball. Um, and Here, bro, let me, let me pick it. Let me make sure we have – uh, what he has, and then you can keep going. So his best year, bro, was in 2017, 2018. He averaged 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, on 47% from the field and 37 from three. He played 75 games. And then 36, like you said, 36 games in 2018, 2019. Um, that, he was an all-star in both those years. And then in 2019, 2020, he played 16 games. And then obviously this year he's he's played 29 games. Yeah, so he, he basically played half a season in two years. Yes. Um, and brutal injury. I think he, he the knee injury was really gnarly. And it was then, like a quad too. And then he, yeah, and then he ruptured his quad, I think. So two just horrible injuries and – He's obviously taken a step back efficient, like efficiency wise, but just defensively too, he's a little bit slower. He was actually pretty serviceable on the defensive end, um, you know, pre-injury, and now he's just kind of a liability on, on defense as well. And you know, my, Miami can make up for that with whichever reason Iguodala and, and some wings off the bench, but um, I, I just don't know how it was going to work. Like a lot of my buddies text me and who don't follow it as closely as me. And, and we're just like, Oh, this is such a, a big play for Miami. They're automatically going to compete with the nets. And I was like, I just think we got to slow down with that talk. Yeah. I, I know we have to slow down with that talk in it. And again, if this was, if this was the Oladipo of, you know, a couple of years ago, yeah, that's dope. But that Oladipo would never have gone for pennies. Um, the way he did here and it's it's honestly sad but but at the same time you look at it from the miami perspective i mean they gave up kelly olenic uh avery bradley and a pick swap that was not even specified yet by Woj. oh it, it's it's a win nothing like, so yeah, yeah you might as well like, that's, that's a win wash 
Yeah, exactly. And he is only under contract for one year, but it's I've been hearing rumors about Victor Oladipo wanting to play for Miami for like the last two, three years. So um, I'd assume Miami's not going to pay him that 20 plus million dollar cap figure or whatever it is. Maybe they will. Who knows? But they didn't they didn't have to give up Duncan. They obviously were never going to give up, you know, Tyler, Hero, but they didn't have to give up Kendrick Nunn didn't have to give up a first. So why not load up with uh, a guy like that who you know, maybe in a lighter load, maybe in a role where he's asked to do a little less, he's a little bit more effective. All right, bro, we got to take a quick break, uh, but we'll come back and, and get to the rest of those more minor trades. All right, we are back to continue this uh, NBA trade deadline reaction pod. Anyone? I, I feel like those are the main ones for me, bro. Um, is there any other trade? out there that I guess stood out I, to you as interesting? I, just, I think we should both talk about the Daniel Tice trade because mm-hmm. uh, I think we both really, you, you, we talked about it earlier, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me from a, um, a, a roster standpoint. I, 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 from a so, basketball so standpoint either. Like, oh yeah, Mark Smart's out. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, bro, and I, and I would love to talk about that. I actually kind of forgot about that one. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Daniel Tice, center on the Celtics, was traded for Mo Wagner on the Washington Wizards, and we texted about this. Like Mo Wagner is, I think, a lot more solid than people realize. He's a bench guy. He's a role player. He got drafted by the Lakers, but wasn't great. But he's really actually, although he's very limited physically, his bat he he's always in the right spots, and he can somewhat stretch the floor. Now, in Boston, Daniel Tice has actually, you know, been a really good find for them. He was their starting center last year. Their Celtics' best lineup was Kemba Walker, Marcus uh, Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Daniel Tice. And he he's not a great shooter, but he's at least somewhat of a threat. From the mid-range, he can rip it. He's generally in good positions on defense. It just didn't really make sense to us at all. And usually even when I don't necessarily like agree with a trade or wouldn't have done it myself, I can at least come to some sort of like, all right, this is probably what they were thinking. This is probably the reasoning behind what they did. I genuinely don't know why the Celtics did that. Like, did he, he missed the game winner uh, against the Bucks and then just get shipped out. And it would have been funny if he would have made that and he got shipped out. I just, I, I have no real logical reason as to why they would do that. Daniel Tice, to me, is a clearly better basketball player than Mo Wagner. And I, he's not, you're not paying Daniel Tice a lot of money. Like, what, what could it have been? Well, and Daniel Tice isn't old either. He's like 27 or 28, I think. I, yeah, I, no, no, he's definitely uh, under 30. I just like you're not trying to get younger with that team either. Like I know Tatum's young, Jalen Brown's young, and Marcus no, Smart. Yeah. And, uh, but the, Mo Wagner just he won't even play for them, right? I mean, you're gonna have Tristan Thompson second off the bench if if he if you start Robert Williams and that's your guy. Like the only thing I could think about is this just secures Robert Williams as their dude for the future at center. Yeah, and I thought about that too. But making your you're you're still not going to play Robert Williams forty minutes, right? You might as well have the other minutes that you don't play him go to a better guy. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. I wonder if there was some sort of organizational friction uh, that they just did a good job of not, you know, leaking. I, but it made no. I kind of like it. 
good for the Bulls. I too. love it. I mean, why not? I love you know? it. They must have been stoked. I wonder how they even got the intel that he's like could go. I wonder if there's some sort of connection. But like that's a monster upgrade uh, over Gafford. Because, yeah, hundred percent. And and you look at it too. Is what's the the one thing they're missing with their bigs now? Um, it's defense. And Daniel yeah, Tice brings a good defense defender. off the bench, and mm-hmm. you can play him at the at the four or the five. You can play him alongside of either one of Lori or um, Nick Vucevic, and he's probably not going to close, but he's going to give you a good 20 to 24 minutes off the bench. And um, he's a player. He's been in the playoffs. He has experience. He's a veteran. I mean, it's a no brainer for me with, uh, with Chicago. It it just makes no sense. with. uh, with with I'm with you, and maybe something comes out down the line, but I'm with you, bro. I had no real idea as to why that happened. I, I want to get your thoughts on another trade. First reactions, what what came to your mind? Rajon Rondo headed to the Clippers for Lou Williams, two second round picks and some money. The, you know the Clippers have really soured on Lou. Yeah, he was getting like 18, 20 minutes a game. Um, they just didn't wasn't want to playing play him. defense. Yeah, there wasn't playing a lick of defense. He was playing <laughs> negative defense. Yeah. And meanwhile, Terrence Mann like, tries really hard. Like You know you're getting effort yeah. from him. And Luke Kennard, too, tries really hard. And Luke yeah. more of like a three, but Luke Kennard goes out there and he's a knockdown. He's a better like percentage-wise shooter from three than Lou Williams. And like Lou Williams has to have the ball in his hands or he's not going to do a single thing on offense, and he already doesn't do anything on defense. But it's hilarious because Lou Williams, I, I remember a couple, like, um, probably weeks ago or maybe months ago. The Instagram post. Like, you're about, you yeah. you about to get traded. And he said, I'm going to Lou Williamsville if I get traded. So, I know. So. But, and the, the funny thing is he's from Atlanta. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's like the one place where he's okay going back and, and playing for. Um, and I actually I actually like him for, for, the, for the Hawks coming off the bench. Like, oh. I mean – a hundred percent. I thought that was such a sneaky move because they get those two seconds, and then for we we can talk a lot about you know there's there's a log jam at the guards, but what there isn't is is outside of Trey, they don't really have guys that are primary ball handlers, and you see it with like even like the Jazz, like they have Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, and even Joe Ingles at time, and you need more than just one or two guys that can initiate the offense for you. And he's another guy that can a hundred percent do that. That yeah. you, you can go to. And one thing you saw with the Hawks too is is when Rajon Rondo was on the floor at the backup center, they couldn't score the ball because he he can't shoot anymore. His three point shot yeah. was horrendous. I don't know what are you shooting for. Me. It has to be off. <laughs> he got but. so cast out from last year's run with LeBron. Like he, uh, the Hawks were absolute fools for for giving him the contract that they did. When they gave him like nine mil, right, or something like that a year. Dude, it might have even been a little I bit more. But two years, I think it was two years, eighteen mil. But nevertheless, yeah, that's that's too much. Upgrade, it's an upgrade for them, even if Lou Williams does. Lou Williams doesn't play. They, they got I mean, Rondo's picks. perfect for that team too. Just like in terms of you know playoff guy, like locker room guy. Don't need him to score at all. Like just a winner. He, he's his role is just makes a lot more sense for Rajon Rondo in LA than what he was being asked to do in Atlanta, which is back up Trey. Yeah, and he's a great mentor for Terrence Mann. So Terrence, mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, if they're really that high on him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. Um, all right, let's go to a couple guys that weren't traded. 
that we thought that there was a decent chance. And, and for me, I want to go to Lonzo Ball. Uh, I know, you know, we we went back and forth on it, but Lonzo Ball looked perfectly fine to me in a couple wins. And then all of a sudden, right around the trade deadline, he was questionable because of a hip. And I was like, all right, this man is out. And we knew why he was out because Lonzo Ball is a free agent. And he's probably looking at around, I think he wants $20 million a year. He's been great this year. But the, the Pelicans are very strapped moving forward because of Eric Bledsoe, which I get because they got a good deal for Drew. But the second reason why is because they're paying a shit ton of money to Stevie Adams, who I love as a guy. Um, but it made no sense why you were going to pay that money to Stephen Adams essentially over Lonzo Ball. And it sounds like they didn't quite get probably what was requisite value and they still own his bird rights uh so they can match any offer i think they just don't want to have to pay him um and go over the luxury but because you're gonna have to if Brandon ingram's getting paid too and then you're gonna have mm-hmm. to play pay Zion yeah, the, yeah. The rookie, the and steven adams is contract. already getting 20 mil and so yeah, is but so- and uh, it just for me, like, like he is such a, a better player than than Eric Bledsoe. I I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to keep Lonzo Ball around. And now, you know, his name was swirling around in within the last weeks in trade talks and all this. Now it's just kind of awkward. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't know what that dynamic is like if there is any um, awkwardness, but. Um, it's just a, it's gotta be a slight to, to Alonzo Ball's confidence, especially after the whole Lake ordeal where, you know, he basically got shit on and then got traded yeah. away. And, um, and I'm hoping that it doesn't change anything because he's gotten, he's really gotten better and he's made himself into a really good player. Um, and honestly for me, you know, I don't know what he thinks about New Orleans or what their long-term, you know, future looks like, but I've always loved the fit in New Orleans. I've loved, you know, he get he gets the ball to Zion. He understands where Zion likes the ball. He understands where B.I. gets the ball. And I, I just think he's being underrated. So uh, I'm glad I would lo- – I love seeing – you pair Zion and Lonzo, like that's just – that's made for each other. Like that's I, – I don't want to see that. Uh, break up. So I'm I'm hoping they figure it out. They realize okay, Lonzo's a part of our, our long term future, and and that it all works out between those. And two. and you and me are, are I think a lot higher on Lonzo Ball um, than a lot of other people as well. So mm-hmm. um, you know we, we think he is extremely valuable. At least I do on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and just from a playmaking standpoint, you just you don't find a guy like him. So. Um, like you said, pairing him alongside of Zion for years to come, I just like that's an A plus to me. I don't know why you would even think about trading Lonzo Ball. The money makes sense, but um, when you have Bird White rights on the guy and you can't pay him, like I just I would try to go trade Stevie, go try to trade Bud. So before I even thought about trading Lonzo, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love, and I I think the whole thing with both those guys, I think what probably the case is is because of those contracts, you're going to almost have to like give up something with either of those two to get them off your books. Whereas Lonzo, you can still get something of value back. Um, But it sounds like apparently they, they couldn't, I think if they, they could have gotten like something other than like just meh, they would have. Okay. Real quick, bro. Just so you know, I want to make sure you know this. We can always pause, but, uh, Draymond's out, so Juan is yeah. starting. I don't know if you have any Juan. 
One's thirty seven hundred. I'm not really interested at thirty seven hundred, but you've um, seen that ceiling game recently, bro. Oh yeah, he he can go crazy. I just think um, they'll they'll throw like some Damian Lee, some Michael Mulder, some other guys in there. So you're good to go. You're good to go. Keep him. All right, then let's let's go, Kyle Lowry. Um, You just go ahead. Give me your thought. I know you. I've always loved Kyle Lowry because I know I just said go ahead, but he's one of those guys again where his body is now very limited. He's not the fastest, not the strongest, not the quickest, not the best shooter or any of that. But he he has a little bit of that Chris Paul mold in him where like he does every little thing. The second he steps on the court, he will do every little thing in his power to impact the game and to help win you the game. It's why he was the only not him and Chris Paul were non-starters in last all-star game and closed. It's why he's been in the finals, it's why he's won a finals. Uh, his body's giving out on him for sure. He, you can tell he's just not the same guy that he once was, but he's still effective. How, how do you, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Would you have given up what it sounds like would have been required if you were Miami or Philly, or are you sitting tight? Well, I, I think the, with Miami, no, because if I didn't get Oladipo for nothing, um, I I'd just rather do that. And, Miami is loaded with guards right now, like in, in terms of Goron. I know Goron's always hurt, but then you got Tyler Hero. Um, you got some other guys that you can play at guard. I just giving up Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and whatever else they were asking for for Kyle Lowry. Um, no, yeah. Tyler Hero is yeah. never going to move for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I just, for that, in that case, like, hell no, I'm not trading for, for Kyle Lowry. Um, especially with the, like, Kyle Lowry's done after this year in terms of his contract. So who knows if he's even going to. Um, stay so it's basically a one year deal um, and I think like a guy like Vucevic you know you're trading it, it you got him for a couple of years Kyle Lowry you just can't trade the assets that they were looking to get um, and that's ultimately why I think it, it didn't work out but um, I don't know man I just don't know why you wouldn't trade him if you're Toronto there's no point in holding on to him when you know you're going to leave even if you can get a couple second rounders out of it um, or whatever just don't trade him to someone you're competing with in the East. Yeah. No, I mean, I have that mindset too. And I think if it's like 2K, sure. But I think Kyle Lowry, I think there's a lot of Raptor fans that honestly, and they they might be right. They would know better than I would. But I've seen a lot of Raptor fans say that Kyle Lowry is literally the best and greatest Raptors Raptor ever. And so I just don't think like, because this was a shit year for them. They're, they're not even playing in Toronto. They've dealt with COVID. Like, if this guy is really as big to this franchise as I think he's been and impacted the community, I think the way he has, I don't think dealing him for a second just so you can get something back is – I don't think that's just the way they want to run things. And I think maybe there's a shock because I know they dealt Norman, um, so they're in this weird spot, but they still have Pascal. They still have Fred. They still have a core. And I can't see this Raptors team, like, just tanking away next year. So who knows? Maybe they want to bring him back. Um, and they probably would not have done that if they dealt him for seconds. But I get why he didn't move from the perspective of, yeah, if I'm Miami, I'm not giving up Tyler here. I wasn't even – which is it's a little bit laughable, you know, to think about it now. But they weren't going to give him up in a James Harden deal. They're not going to give him up for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. yeah. If you're Philly, though, are you giving up – Tyrese Maxey. See, that's the interesting. Now, that's the interesting one. Now, now in that case, still no. 
But if you get that down to Maxi in a late first, maybe, or Thibault in a late first, that I think is something I would consider, honestly. Um, and, and, and then what do you do with your – because, there, I mean, you saw the Danny Green rumors too where he was, you know, his agent told him you got to expect to be getting – like you're going to get traded, and he never did. Um, so I think, you know, Kyle Lowry going to the, the – the, um, Philly? The 76ers would have been, um, Danny Green would have been out of town. And then you have Kyle Lowry, Seth Curry, Tobias, Ben Simmons, and, and Joel Embiid. I mean, that is a scary, scary five. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good five. And you've seen it, man. They've been there. They've been there. They've taken their lumps. I really do think they're a contender. And I think they definitely would have been even that much more of a contender with, uh, with Kyle. But uh, pro- the asking price was probably too high, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors demanded Thibel Maxi in a first, which is too much in my mind if I'm the Sixers. Um, but if the if the Raptors want to run it back, because with that Norman deal, like yes, they get you know they did lose Norman, who's better than Gary Trent, but it's not like Gary Trent can't step in next year and be an impactful player for them, you know. So I, I'd assume they want to continue to try with this core. While they have it, um, and it was a money thing with, with Norm too. They couldn't have paid him yeah. where you got Gary Trent on that rookie deal. Rookie deal, you, you know. You, yeah, exactly. But it, it's Masai Ujiri. He's uh, you know top three in, in the league yeah. in terms of um, he's gonna, uh, GMs. He he's gonna, he's gonna, gonna make he's gonna make the right move. Exactly. So, um, exactly. All right. Uh, that about covers the really impactful trades. George Hill's headed to Philly, which actually could be. Um, pretty big guy. He's been hurt for a while. Um, but when he played, I mean, that's a guy who led the league in three point percentage last year. So I, I like that get that goes a little bit under the radar. Um, but before we head out, I think we'll just quickly turn to the buyout market and there's two big guys, um, garnering really all the interest and that's LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond. Um, it sounds like Drummond is the, the favorite to go to LA and LaMarcus, the favorite is Miami. Um, who do you want to start with, bro? Um, who would you rather have? LaMarcus. Me too. And yeah. uh, you know what I'm seeing on Twitter is so many articles just saying Andre Drummond is the best rebounder in the game. How does someone not want It's like rebounding in the NBA nowadays is so minuscule in terms of importance. Like, exactly. Uh, I just – Andre Drummond is – the opposite of, of what you want in a prototypical big in today's NBA. Like, sure, he can block shots around the rim, but he's really not that good of a defender. And in the pick and roll, he's so bad. Like, he's such a negative that uh, I just don't think he's that big of an upgrade for whoever gets him. Like, even if the Nets somehow get him, like, is he really that big of an upgrade off, like, Nick, Nick Claxton? I, I don't think so. Like, yeah, and I think I, that's just my opinion. I, I don't really love the Andre Drummond where I'd rather have um, a guy like, you know, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, who isn't necessarily a good shot blocker, but can space the floor, and you actually have to respect him outside of like 10 feet. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that the biggest thing, and we're already past this now because he's going to get bought out. And there's a reason I'll tell you guys right now why um, he's not, was never going to be traded. And that's because his, his contract was 20 plus million. And Sarge touched on it. Really, what he does best is rebound the basketball. But when when you and let's say he pulls down 15 rebounds a night 
I would argue 12 to 13 of those, any seven foot guy could have that's in the NBA could pull those down. Maybe he gets you two extra rebounds that a, a normal big can't get. How valuable really is that? And then again, pick and roll, he struggles. And and I think part of this was him being on the Cavs, but like it's just a guy who doesn't really he just do does too much. There there were times where him and JaVale were actually putting on a comedy show. There were some of the just most bonehead plays I've ever seen on a basketball court came from Cleveland this year with JaVale and Drummond. And with JaVale, it's almost like, you know, that is JaVale. Like, he plays 15 minutes a game. He's long as fuck. Like, he actually does some things that other bigs just can't do. Yeah, he's a little dumb, but, like, you'll live with what you get. And that's almost what Drummond has to cut. Like, I don't hate Drummond in a 15 to 18, maybe 20-minute per uh game role uh, as an energy guy but his days of being a starting center on a team that's going to be actually that good are are probably gone because even even starting centers now that can't score shoot like mitchell or zoo or whoever it may be they are at least elite rim protectors and good pick and roll defenders that's not the case with him and they're not being paid either exactly exactly and and like, you know, sure, I'd love to have an Andre Drummond on my team, but I would not want to have an Andre Drummond giving paid $20 million anywhere close to my team. Like, it's it's just the money factor. Andre Drummond, in terms of a role player, is fine. It's just... When you're getting that him, money, yeah. Exactly. If I can sign him for, you know, a reasonable three, four, five million, sure, but... Um, it's just there's there's not really a need for him in the league right now, and I think there's more uh, of a need for a guy like Marcus Holdridge. Totally. And my thing with the Lakers too, though, is like, is he going to start over Gasol if they get hundred percent? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. But like it's, Gasol it's, plays a lot of his time away from the baskets. Away, like they don't do that. With, are they going to do that with Drummond? But he's shooting. But he's shooting horrible from three. Marcus Gasol is, and that's why. You know, people are kind of pissed on on Marcus Sol. Is you know the reason we want him is for he could space the floor really next to Anthony Davis, but he can't. He's been shooting awful from three, so we might as well throw Andre Drummond um, instead of getting fifteen minutes yeah. of Marcus Sol shooting awful threes. Yeah, I get it. I get it. At least Marcus Sol understands his role, though. You know, he, like he he's okay if he has a usage rate of five percent. Andre Drummond hasn't shown an ability to really handle a usage rate around there yeah i will say too though we are struggling to rebound the basketball without um without anthony davis and um that is something that we kind of need we need a rim protector and someone that could um, rebound the basketball those are only two good things he does so um i think you could do worse than him yeah for sure 100 percent um but i agree on his own with him on his own without lebron james is completely pointless like he's not going to necessarily help us win um ball games without lebron james on the floor yeah no, and you'd like to think uh, LeBron James is going to be able to, you know, optimize what Andre Drummond does. Um, and with LaMarcus Aldridge, I really don't know. Again, could go to Miami. Um, he, he's a guy who's, you know, defensively very limited now, but he he's he at least understands the game plan. And when I say limited, he he's not going to go up and meet, you know, your guard at the rim and, and turn shots away. But he's generally going to be in position, and I honestly – if I wanted a 15-foot turnaround post-fade, I don't think I would pick anyone else other than LaMarcus Aldridge. That guy Yeah, him is, and Mello. Yeah, that, that guy is so money for mid-range. I, I, if you, He turns his shoulder, 
it's it's probably going in. and even in the pick and pop it's going in so there's there's definitely a role for him um his days as like a go-to guy are gone but um yeah he's very similar to carmelo where like the only reason you really want him on the floor defensively he's not going to do much like Melo. but if you're struggling like some of your studs are struggling you can throw the ball to him in the post and just have a, a fade away um like 15 footer and you just need a bucket like that's just the guy you want exactly all right bro I think I think that just about covers all the important news today. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we take off? No, that's it. Appreciate you having me on, like always. Always have fun doing this. And then I wanted to start with a debate, Skip and Shannon style, almost where Tyler's in my thirty-team league. I know I've mentioned it briefly here and there. What essentially it is is a thirty-team fantasy league that uh, basically. We're basketball nerds, and we're we're trying to be as close to a GM as possible. And so our way of doing that is creating a fantasy league where we are the GMs of our teams. And in that, we have a Discord. And I think, first off, it's important to note what the argument is here. Because I've had – I've actually done it with Luke many times. Like, I I will say right now, I think LeBron James, when it's all said and done, will go down as – the first or second best basketball player ever. And I think he's the favorite to be the first. Like I would say it's more likely that, and again, who there's no real like official ranking per se, but I think the general consensus, um, and that's led to a bunch of million arguments. But my argument here, Tyler, um, and we can make sure we disagree on this. And I honestly hope we disagree on this, um, is that LeBron is not the most hated player ever. I, I know he's hugely popular, and with that comes trolls. But in my mind, he's not the most hated player ever. And I want to make sure, is that something you disagree with? And if if there's a, maybe a, a caveat or something in there that makes you agree to an extent or not agree, go for it. I'm not sure if he's the most hated player ever. I'm sure there's guys that were more hated ever. But I think in today's NBA um, – maybe less so now as he's aged a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think over the course of his career, he has taken the most criticism and the most heat, whether you want to say it's hated mm-hmm. or just under under the constant microscope. Um, yes, he does have the, the media types that are always talking about him. They always lead their talk shows with whatever LeBron does. Um, but he does get a lot of hate. He does get a lot of criticism. And I think a lot of it kind of stems from you know, the decision dating back to that thing that he did with Bill Simmons when he, had, totally. when he announced he was going to Miami. Um, but he does get a lot of hate. He got hate for forming the big three. He got hate for leaving Cleveland. He got hate for joining the Lakers. He's just constantly hated. And I don't think it's like, a, oh, I hate LeBron in his game. I just think he's, you know, he literally has chosen one tattooed on his shoulder blades. So exactly. he's get constant criticism. And I do think a lot of it, um, he brings upon himself. Um, you know, in the more modern age, he does this thing on, you know, Instagram where he's always posted stories and he sometimes has cryptic tweets that set people off. But, um, I do think a lot of people dislike him. Um, maybe it's out of jealousy. Maybe they mm-hmm. wish that he was on their team. You know, I think games, that's a lot of it, bro. I think that's a lot of it. Um, yeah, but I don't think that he's the most hated player of all time. Like, okay. Like I don't think guy. I, I don't think people think badly of LeBron James. I think a lot okay. of it does stem from from jealousy. Perfect. Well, I think we mostly agree, which is 
not necessarily as fun, but I think since we've already started this, and I guess I'll pre- more so for Chuck. I thought my my understanding was that, as, especially for them, is that LeBron is hated. And I get I get what you're saying, right? Like I agree with everything you said, and I think part of it, a lot of it really has to do with that he is the best. Like when you are at that level, one, if you're not on someone's team they're immediately not going to be fond of you because you're beating their team. And he's been consistently beating everyone's team since he came in the league. But my issue is with, and this is not you, but this is people like Chuck, people like even Luke and me and Luke have had many discussions, but the fandom of Braun goes so far to the point where I feel like with a lot of these people, like, it blinds them from the actual game at times. And it encourages a lot of times unhonest basketball discourse where it's like, if you are saying anything or anything like comes near Braun, it's over. And they just, they put their blinders on. And so for me in that chat, I'm seeing like, like I think the specific thing that set me off was like, all right, think about how much the Warriors were hated, blah, 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 blah. Braun, that's like one one thousandth of what Braun has had to endure. And for me, it's like, when when Braun left and he got so much hate, I think that's the first time we've seen like social media blasting the way that it we've seen it. But I think a lot of like I felt like a majority of that was Cavalier fans just so upset that he left. And and it really the root of it was love for him. And, and that turns obviously when he leaves you. But, I, you know, like he it has guys in the media that love him. He got guys have like. ESPN, Nikola Jokic could have a a hundred point triple double, and if Braun has a nasty dunk, the the Sports Center account, Bleacher Report account, is still going to tweet LeBron's dunk. And so for me, it set me off because it was like, this guy is so good. And usually the criticism is, oh, he's not the greatest ever, which is not real criticism. Like that's an understanding of where he is. And so for people like Chuck and them to be like, oh, like. He's so hated by everyone. And I get it. You know, like there's going to be always be the trolls when you're the best. But like I've met so many guys that are legitimately just Braun fans. That was ridiculous to me. Yeah. And 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 I agree. I mean, his it's almost like his. I don't even know how to accurately put this. It's like the aura that surrounds LeBron. It's like anytime he steps on the court, everything he does, um, people just assume that he is the best at it. But if we're being honest, um, we can talk specifically about his defense and his effort in the regular season. You know, specifically right. in the latter half of his career, I understand that he. I understand the reasons as to why he is doing it. Right? I mean, he plays a lot totally. of games every single season, so I understand yeah. it. But you know, if you look at these games and you do want to make a comparison of you know LeBron to Jordan, it seemed like Jordan went balls to the wall every single night. Kobe went balls to the wall every single night. So when you look at you know, if you look at these specific analytical stats, where talks about where he moves around on the court um, the least amongst any player playing 30 minutes didn't even know in that the league. yeah I mean he and you you watch him in these games and like he'll take complete two three four possessions in a row off where he'll just stand um, at the point position and just yeah. not move same thing defensively he'll take uh, take possessions at a time off and I I understand it yeah um, 
but oftentimes with LeBron, because he is the best, he sometimes gets a pass and people don't really want to critique him, especially those social media accounts like Bleacher Report and ESPN that want to suck him off. You know, anytime he has a regular season dunk, it's yeah. like, you know, the world just goes crazy. Um, so I do understand it. it. It is frustrating as a Laker fan. I see it all the time and it, it's just annoying. It's repetitive. And they're doing the same thing with LaMelo Ball now too. Yeah. Every single and, highlight is just nonstop. And, and like, I get it. Like I, I under, I obviously I think it can be a little overboard, but I'm not even here to poke holes in bronze game. Like he's amazing. He's so great, but I just, I'm not with the card. You can't play the card where, with everything that we see on social media, we you we ha- LeBron is the only guy where there's legitimately guys on talk shows that you know they are just LeBron guys. Like it doesn't Shannon Nick Wright. Like he, for me, you I under I totally understand he's up there, but you can't play the card for me. Oh, he's the most hated. I think scrutiny, sure, but like, and I think the other yeah reason that the general fans discourse has turned into this type of thing is because i just honestly don't think that we have uh, very reputable people on these talk shows it's you know a bunch of lebron stands or just um yeah you know, people that have become famous for spewing a bunch of bullshit which is actually why i like listening to some of these more specific basketball fan um Podcasts, you know, guys that actually talk about what's going on and don't just suck LeBron off. They actually talk about the X's and O's and like why specific schemes are working, why coaches are more successful versus other coaches, so on and so forth. But when you turn on ESPN, when you turn on these, you know, talk shows or these pregame shows, it's just nonstop about the narrative. The narrative, what this championship would mean to LeBron for his legacy. Yeah, and, and, and. Okay, and there's two more points before we finish this off. I think going along with what you said, I have a question for you. And I know it's not a perfect question. I know you can't. It's it's a hypothetical and a hypothetical that's obviously a hypothetical for a reason. But let's say you were to switch, right? And, and again, I know it's far-fetched. But you, LeBron James does exactly what James Harden does this year. Same numbers joins a team and and does what James Harden did and James Harden does what LeBron does I really do and I could be wrong I really do think LeBron would be the favorite to to win the MVP yes what would you and I again there's a lot of things like LeBron would probably have never handled it like Harden but if Harden was do if James was doing what Harden did this year I think he would be by most considered the favorite whereas Harden does it right now and it's like Maybe, well, but because the, the narrative award, and this is not just the NBA, by the way, this is across all major sports. It's narrative based when you have the media voting on it. Um, you know, and I think for a long time, people have just hated the way that the Rockets played basketball and, you know, how they've sort of changed the NBA along with Steph, obviously. <laughs> but I think that people didn't like it. And I think they didn't like Harden specifically because of it, even though it wasn't Harden's decision to do it that way. Yeah, which we've seen um, now. <laughs> like, right. like, that's not and what Harden so, wanted to do. And so, yes, I mean, uh, definitely, it, you know, it's not a perfect question or a perfect scenario, but. Um, I think that wherever LeBron went, he would be getting that 
you know, yeah. narrative MVP vote without a doubt that Harden just wouldn't get. That sucks for Harden because he's an amazing player. Yes. Um, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I, he just is, he is an unliked player. Yeah. You know, people just, people don't really appreciate his game for what it is. Yeah. And, and you just see it in the, me- like, w- like, take a guy like Paul George. It's just weird to me. And again, personalities play a factor. I'm, I'm 100% aware of that. And some of these guys, I think, it goes both ways. Like, I, I, I don't think they should have to behave a certain way for the camera. But, like, take Paul George, who has one of the more gruesome injuries we've seen and grinds all, all the way back to being, like, a, a all-NBA caliber player. And, and does he have his flaws? Sure. But he's, like, shit on. Like, no one likes Paul George. No one really talks about him in that great of a light. And then you have other guys that, again – Braun has done a lot to merit um, a lot of this, but where Braun is is just automatic universally loved. Anyways, one more thing. I, I do think, yeah. it, I, one, and I want to touch on that really quickly. No, 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 perfect, I perfect. That, I think that fans generally like and enjoy rooting for players that you feel or that they feel are not bailing on their organization. And so when LeBron signed with the Heat, I'm sure initially Cavs fans probably felt like he was bailing on them, but he put a ton of time and effort into that organization. Yeah. Um, and he didn't he didn't really make a scene about it. He never asked for a trade up front. Yes, he took his jersey off after the after they lost in the playoffs, but it wasn't really this whole narrative all season that LeBron was going to leave. When you have guys like Damian Lillard, for example, mm-hmm. or Giannis that have you know, pledge that they want to play and win for the city that drafted them, the city totally. that had faith in them. I that has the to play a factor. really appreciate that. For so sure. when, you, when, when you think about guys that, you know, and excuse my French, but that, that are just always bitching about their situation when anything doesn't go their way, like, you know, the situation got really bad with, with Paul George in Indiana. It got really fucking bad with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. Yeah. And I think a lot of people... I mean, I think a lot of people respected what Kawhi did in Toronto. I think they were really impressed by it. But you don't see the love and affection for, you know, the caliber of player that Kawhi is that you see for a guy like right. LeBron. You know? and, and, it, and it's because they, um, you know, and you can say what you want about guys like, you know, Russell Westbrook. You know, he, he creates a scene. He drama but you can never say he wasn't committed to trying his hardest for oklahoma city day in day out no doubt and so i i think that fans just they notice it you know and so i I think that paul george is probably a nice guy james Harden's a nice guy but when you make a scene time after time i think people just get sick of it i'm with you i i think the loyalty thing has a bit and there's a lot of things obviously that go into it but i think that loyalty thing Loyalty part is a, a huge part. And then honestly, I think another huge part of it is likability. Like, I, I have no idea about how who Kawhi is as a guy, as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. But it's hard to say he's more likable than someone like LeBron James. But um, True. last part, bro, and I think it might even be the part of this whole LeBron James complex that bothers me the most. Um, and I'd like to get your – because you, you're a Lakers guy, but you're not like a LeBron James follow him wherever he goes guy. When I, I think, and again, we've talked about it before on this podcast, you and I specifically, I think when you're a fan of someone, you're a fan of a team, whatever, whoever it may be, you are more inclined to pay attention to the haters of that team. And 
my thing was, uh, and I want to get your perspective. So when LeBron James left, obviously people were were furious. But why is it that when Kate and I know that he went to the Warriors, but like for me, why the why are there stipulations behind KD's move? Why are LeBron J- James fans okay with his move? And I I'm for one should think everyone should go wherever they want. Like it's their life, do what you want. Why why does why did KD get do you think KD got killed more or less than Braun or the same? Um, I would have to say that KD got killed more just because the era of social media, even though it wasn't that many years true that they made yeah. the move, like Twitter was just such a bigger thing when KD made his move mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, the way he went about it where he, you know, what did he do? Like the player's tribune article with that picture of him. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, when you talk Honest about likability, like, uh, you know, KD had his, had his spats with the media and he's always kind of been a little bit smug towards people. And um, I don't think LeBron ever was that, you know, obviously he had a tattoo that, you know, he basically says I'm the shit, but you know, KD, I I think he definitely gets sick and tired of the media kind of like Kyrie does. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a huge part of it. He did get, get, get a lot of shit for it. Um, and I don't know, because I do think that the, the situations were relatively similar, right? I mean, they were both drafted by those teams, and they gave gave their heart and their soul for those cities, and it just didn't end up working out. They kept got or they, they kept getting beat by teams that were yes. just better than they were. And, and and I don't blame them for leaving. But like, do you think if Braun had a better option than Chris Bosch or even D Wade, and I'm not super familiar. And again, it might not be perfect. There might not have been anyone available. But it's like if Braun had the opportunity to get someone that was like next, he would have done it too. And every, all those people, I just have so many vivid memories of during our run. And again, I'm not going to tell you necessarily how you want to consume this sport, but the Warriors every single night were playing. Just putting on a show like like what you've never seen in this league before, and people were grumpy watching it because, in my eyes, a lot of that had to do with them being Braun fans, and then it directly affecting his titles and, as a result, his legacy. And then now it's like, but with Braun, it's all good. Now it's all good, and I, I just I didn't quite get it. But well, I, I think that that the narrative shifted because he went back to Cleveland and everybody got all teary eyed about it. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and, and it, this is a, this is definitely, I think a, a different situation. Yes. That Cleveland team did become a big three. Um, but you know, Durant kind of signed on to this thing in Brooklyn. I, I, I think it's a little bit different. Like KD's not going back to Oklahoma city to win this. He went to Brooklyn to win it. Mm-hmm. If they do end up winning versus LeBron going back to his hometown and you know, totally. you have that whole storyline behind it. But um, yeah. honestly, I think it just comes down to likability. And yeah. <laughs> I think that KD is, you know, an asshole, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think he's the nicest guy in the league. Um, yeah. and I get it. I, he takes a, a ton of heat. These guys have to answer questions from the media, you know, day in, day out. He had his injury issues in Golden State and, you yeah. know, things fell apart after that. And I'm sure that kind of weighs on his shoulders. So I'm sure he's sick of it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. for me, for me with the players and media, like, and unless you're like a straight up asshole dick, like 
I side with them just because it's like it would be so annoying, like just have people yeah. constantly prodding and starting shit. It's like just it, like to them, it must seem so pointless. Like I know the media and everyone like help grow the game, and, and I'm sure it's not easy for them to take that perspective. But it's like I get why every little thing, every little thing, the media will soak it up if they have a chance to to profit off of insulting you or saying something bad about you they will do that so um and then on top of that with the kd to wrap it all up i just see not even necessarily on the court i just see a lot of similarities in the paths of kd's career and bronze career and one i feel like gets a lot more hate than the other and i'm i'm not even comparing the two. like braun is clearly better had a better career to this point but i just feel like in past cases with the Warriors and in past cases, even with KD, someone is not appreciated enough just because people really love Braun and go live and die by every little thing he does. All right. Anyways, guys, I know this is a little bit of a jumbled up pod uh, through a random LeBron argument in there at the end. Um, but I, I just felt like it made the most sense to talk about uh, the trades that went down as opposed to posting raw audio of two guys completely clueless that even like Vooch got traded so i appreciate you all for tuning in i love you all for tuning in uh we'll be back next week just covering more things that have happened in the nba if you are a better or have thought about betting um go ahead and and if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe to the malaga drive hoops betting podcast uh 15 games over 500 this year which is pretty solid so even if you're trying to pick out a game or two you don't have to tail everything just just play what you like and uh hopefully i can help make you some money All right, have a great rest of your day, rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Peace.